0: Ryan Holtz is a social media and creative marketing agency owner, husband, father, DJ, global citizen, keynote speaker, and is proud to bring you The Ryan Holtz Show Podcast. Uh, Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of The Ryan Holtz Show Podcast. Man, I am telling you, uh, today we have an amazing speaker. I say that at the beginning of every podcast though, because there is so many fantastic individuals in this world. Um, this, this, this dude I'm about to talk to is absolutely uh, amazing But before we get to his bio I just want to say thank you to everybody who's listening to the show All the reviews, all the social media buzz All the kind messages um, You know, I just got a message from China uh, The other day I got a couple messages from Dubai So people all, all around the world are really tuning into the show And uh, it's just completely humbling for me So uh, my next guest His name, his name is Cornell Thomas. He was born in Passaic, New Jersey. So we're talking to another guy, American guy, south of the border from here in Canada. He's a global speaker, multiple title author, mindset coach, team builder, and corporate trainer. But more importantly than any of those titles, he's a husband and father to his son Bryce, which is five, and his daughter Naya, which is five. Three. Uh, his parents played an intricate role in his life. Uh, he's somebody that's, you know, he's kind of all over. If you do a Google search on him, you'll see him talking to random people all the time. You'll see him. He's just kind of in the mix. So, uh, Cornell, welcome to the Ryan Holt Show podcast, my friend.
1: Thank you, man. It's, a, it's an honor to be on the show. I appreciate you.
0: So you reached out. You said, yo, man, I listened to your, your interview with Claude um, and I really liked it. Uh, what is what 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 catapulted you to reach out? And and I want full honesty here. We we uh we, we're all about real talk here on the show. We don't do any prescripted questions. Um, if you've listened to the podcast, you know uh, a few. We got a few messages because I kind of ask people who listen. I want you to describe the show for me because. It's one thing for Ryan to say, oh, I love the show and the show is great. But if nobody else thinks it's great, what's the point? There's no value being yeah. built in somebody's life. And your time is valuable and I want to make sure that's good. So somebody did say, I love your podcast, Ryan, because it feels like somebody's sitting, you know, in, in the bushes witnessing two people having just a chat, just a con- conversational chat amongst friends. And, and that really touched my heart because that's what i want this podcast to be i don't want it to be too formatted i don't want it to be too regimented and i want to talk to people who are everything from minor celebrities all the way to policemen firefighters fathers moms just real humanity so what uh what forced you to reach out and uh tell us a little bit more about you man
1: yeah well that's super dope what you just said in terms of just having a conversation because that's what i'm about i think the best podcast that i've been on. It's been unscripted. Let's just sit down and have, and let's sit down and talk. Uh, for me, Claude is a, is a good friend of mine. She became a good friend of mine about a month ago, and we immediately just connected and hit it off. And when I was listening to the interview, whenever I see someone that I think is cool, I'm going to reach out to them. And I'm like, if you're doing great stuff in this world for humanity, I'm going to talk to you. So as soon as I heard saw her interview with you, I was like, I'm going to reach out to this guy and say hello. Because I think that this planet, the problem with it, one of the problems with it, is we don't communicate enough, we don't connect enough. Mm. And people are looking at other human beings as competition instead Mm. of, man, I might be able to talk to Ryan and I can maybe help his journey get bigger. You know, Mm. so I don't look at, when I meet, when I go and reach out to people, it's not for my benefit or my gain. Like, oh, well, you know, maybe Ryan knows so and so. I really don't care. But if I see you and you're doing some really cool stuff, I got to meet you. So when I reached out to you, I was like, and then I saw, you know, your son and I saw your family and I'm like, okay, this is a dude that I'm going to know for a very long time. So let me connect with him.
0: I appreciate that. You know, I talked to, uh, I talked to a lot of people and, you know, even in my personal circle, whether we're just sitting, having a barbecue or something at my house or or whatever, and people are like, you know, Ryan, tell me more about you. And I said, listen, it's re- it's really simple. I have two gears. One is family; that's number one, and number two is business. I don't know anything else. I don't really want to know anything else. I come from a lot of struggle and hardship. I, I, I I'm I'm reading about you know Bobby and Tina Thomas, how they're a, a big intricate role in, in your life. And my mom passed away when I was 13, and mm-hmm. it was a single mom. And you know, that's I talk a lot about that on the show because that that was just a moment of of. Ryan, you're either going to do really bad things in life and go down a really bad path or you're going to, you know, propel and do really good things. The football helmet you see in the background, that's what saved my life. And I, and I call this my I am enough wall because this is where I got instead of, you know, going out on the street and selling drugs or something or being stupid. You know, I I went and got to go crush heads with other guys in a, in a disciplined and you know fashion way which ultimately led you know for my coaches to in some regard become my parents you know subliminally so um i think it's a great way to segue into your story and um why your parents are are an intricate role uh your your father passed away and bless his heart and you know what what about that it's right in your bio so it's it's obviously something that is is a huge portion of who you are and how you even projected into that so uh let me know man
1: yeah, so very familiar, similar story to you. My father passed when I was three years old.
0: Mm. And so
1: I didn't have a, I have two memories of my father that are my own. You know, when you lose a parent at a young, very young age, a lot of the memories that you get that you think are yours are usually people telling you about your parent, right? Yes. So father was a police officer in the city of Passaic, New Jersey, did all these amazing things, but I didn't know any of this growing up. I knew he was a, I'm just looking at the pictures of the funeral as I got older, I knew he was a very important figure in Passaic. But I didn't know until way later that he would do food drives, toy drives. He had like the Sugar Hill gang come to like number eleven and park in Passaic for free and perform. He would curse out his chief of police and say, Hey, nobody's paying for this entertainment. You know, we're gonna we're gonna fund it. So my father was just the outlier. He just he didn't follow the pack, right? My mom, when my father passed, she had to raise five of us on her own with no money. Mm. So who I am, who you're talking to right now, is a testament to who my mom was and who she is to this day. So I have three brothers and a sister. One of my brothers is autistic. Uh, and my mom raised five of us in Passaic. And I'll never forget, I was probably around 6th, 7th grade, and there was a drug bust in Number 11 Park. And it was like mm. over 100 people. Mm. And about 100 people, 30 of them were teachers.
0: Wow.
1: Oh. So right. opened up a newspaper and said, we're moving here. And just pointed to a town. The town happened. She just happened to be Rockaway, New Jersey. (laughs) I'm in the inner city, right? She pointed to a town somehow. I moved this in like two weeks to this town called White Metal Lake in Rockaway, New Jersey. So I go from Black and Spanish to lily white in in like 14 days. I'm telling my (laughs) friends, yo, I'm out. Like, where are you going? I'm like, I have no idea, right? So that was a culture shock, but my mom said, we're not going to get a good education being in Passaic. There's yeah, no way. Yeah. So she's a solution-based person. She's not about problems. She's not about, what was me. She's about, okay, what do I do now? So she moved us to Rockaway. As a kid, because I didn't have that connection with my father, I didn't, you know, most sons want to be like their dad. I didn't want to be a police officer. I didn't want to be, I was just cool being a kid. Mm-hmm. And like you found football, when I was 16 years old, I found basketball.
2: Oh, it was yeah, the first yeah. time
1: I I ever played it. First time I ever hooped in my life, I was at Bursness Virginia. My mom's from Burgess, Virginia, this little small town Virginia. And my cousin was like, Carlos was like this mega athlete. Mm. Track, football, basketball. And I was on, sitting on his bed one day. He enlisted in the Army. And I looked up at his bed and he had all these newspaper articles of him playing basketball. Mm. And so my OCD kicked in and I just started reading all these articles. I'm like, yo, my cousin's the man. This guy's in the newspaper for basketball. I had no idea that you could give him the paper for sports. So I said to myself, I said, all right, when I get home, I'm gonna be a basketball player. Like when I drive back, we have a five and a half hour drive. I'm gonna find a basketball. I'm gonna start hooping. And so we drove home. I found this like little Pizza Hut basketball. I put it under my armpit. I walked three miles. I'm gonna tell my son, it was like 10 when he gets older, but I walked. (laughs) I got to the nearest basketball court and I said, okay, here it is. You know, I'm going to be famous. I'm going to get girls finally because at that time I was like rocking hammer pants. You know what yeah, yeah. i mean? was struggling. Uh, so I was like, here we go. So I went to the hoop, threw the ball out. The ball went over the hoop, rolled down the hill. Oh, so I'm like, oh, I, I said, this isn't good. So I did that for the next two hours and I realized like I suck at basketball. Like I'm horrible, yeah. right? <laughs> and so out of nowhere, this little five foot eight Filipino guy comes walking to the court and he goes my name is Ray do you want me to show you how to shoot a basketball Oh! and it changed the course of my life I tell people all the time if it wasn't for Ray that my first book the second chapter is titled Ray okay. I only had three interactions with Ray that interaction he gave me three hours of his time to show me how to properly shoot a basketball and when he left I was still terrible but he planted this seed in my head that if you work at this you can get better and mm. And so I started this basketball journey. I already had the work ethic because my mom, my mom worked three jobs, took care of five kids, mm-hmm. did complain. Mm-hmm. So I had the work ethic. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to dedicate myself. So I told my mom, my mom's name is Tina Thomas, I said, mom, I said, I'm going to be a professional basketball player. My mom literally looked at me. She goes, that's, that's great, babe. What do you want for dinner? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't think you understood what I just said. Like, I'm going to be a professional basketball player. And she's like, mm-hmm. okay. She's like, all right. And so the next, every day for six, seven hours, all I did was play basketball. Mm. And year came around, I got cut from varsity. I just sat on the bench. My senior year came around, I barely played. And then after that, I was sitting with my mom and this the first time I heard her say can't. She said, I can't afford to bring you to, co- you to college. We mm. don't have. Mm. And I never heard her say can't ever. Mm. And I sitting there, And I'm like, this has gotta be serious. Mm. So I said, well, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna work two jobs. I'm gonna put myself through a junior college a two-year college and then i'm gonna get a scholarship to play basketball and i'll go that route mm. she just me she said okay and so i worked two jobs i worked at a pharmacy and i worked at this sneaker store called flood action i my first year of junior college for the first time ever i was in a newspaper i wasn't not for like scoring 30 points but i was like my picture was there so i was like okay i'm in a newspaper and then my sophomore year First Team All Conference, First Team All Region, all these different accolades, fifth in the state and scoring, all this stuff. And everybody was like, bro, what happened? Because everybody land right? Like, they didn't see when you first did your first podcast, and it was just you and your, like, family listening to it. Right? Mm-hmm. They
2: see. mm-hmm. So,
1: sees that climb, they just see where you land. So, mm. people that I must have did something crazy to get to where I was, they didn't realize that doing our junior and senior prom here in the States... I was watching limousines drive passes, I was shooting baskets outside, mm. right? Obsessed with it. And I tell people all the time, you've gotta be willing to sacrifice what you like in order to get what you love.
0: Absolutely.
1: And Absolutely. I
0: like,
1: I really like the idea of hanging out with my friends, like that's cool, but I love the idea of playing professional basketball my mom never having to work again. Mm. So I'm just focused on my purpose is for this woman to stop working, that's my purpose. And so I go to North Dakota. I didn't even know where North Dakota was. <laughs> I get a full scholarship to play in North Dakota. My, I meet my wife there. My wife is from Seattle, Melissa. And I come back home, and I'm working out with NBA guys. And I'm looking to my left and my right, and these guys are pulling up in Bentleys and, you know, all these fancy cars. Oh, I'm yeah. pulling up. 1989 Mercury Sable with the radio doesn't work. I got to keep the heat on in the summer for it to run. And I'm pulling <laughs> There and you me, go. Because, you know, listen to my headphones because the radio don't work. And I go <laughs> there and I realize that once I'm on the court, I belong with these guys. Yeah. So I think like, it doesn't matter what you drive.
0: Absolutely. And I,
1: and I got my education, my first real education of what basketball is in there because it was like game seven of the NBA finals every game. Oh, you know? Yeah. So it was intense. And then so I go home one day, and I look at my – at that time, we had MySpace. <laughs> we yeah. had MySpace. So I looked at my email from my AOL, and I had a message from my agent. Yeah. And my agent said, Cornell, you're leaving in two weeks. You got a full con- uh, top contract to go to the top division in Lisbon, Portugal. But you got to leave in two weeks. You have 14 days. Now, I'm six years removed from like getting cut from varsity and one of the worst high school basketball teams in the, in the history of basketball. Right? Mm. And I'm I'm getting a contract to play professional basketball. Mm. I talk to my mom and I say, Mom, I got a contract to play professional basketball. Ryan, I cannot make this up. My mom says that's great. What do you want for them? Wow. Wow. She her, her faith in me was unshakable. Yeah. She was like, yeah. so for her, she's like, I'm not surprised. Like every day you work out for seven, eight hours a day. What are you supposed to do with it? Of course mm. you're playing professional basketball. Cause she was on the ground floor with me. Mm-hmm. Everybody was seeing the outside. She was there every day, seeing mm-hmm. what I was. Doing, right. So I get this contract. A week goes by. My girlfriend, who's my wife now, flies down. We have this going away party of like three people because we had no money. Right. <laughs> yeah. We didn't even have the cake. We had like a cupcake. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it was like, mm-hmm. it was like, say congratulations. The chillations was like an extra two fifty. I was like, just put them congr- <laughs> back. Good. <laughs> so we have this party. I'm a week away. I'm on the court with my boys just joking around. We're just shooting around. And we start playing three on three. I go to the basket and I hear a pop. Mm. Fall on the ground. So I'm 168 hours away from playing professional basketball. I fall on the ground. I go to get back up. I can't put any weight on my right foot. Mm. So my boys come running over to me to help me up. I sit down again. I said, I can't put any weight on it. Mm.
2: I'm
1: like, who stepped on my heel? They're like, Cornell, no one stepped on your heel. So stupidly, I drive myself to the hospital and I drag my foot up to the emergency room and I'm filling up this application and I'm not calling my mom because I'm like, if I call my mom, whatever happened is real. Mm. So I'm just avoiding it, avoiding it, avoiding it. And finally, I call my mom. Mm. She got five minutes. We're like 40 minutes away. I don't know how, who she killed to, got, to get <laughs> she got there. Yeah. And this guy by the name of Dr. Bradish goes, Cornell, I'm going to grab the back of your calf muscle. If you feel excruciating pain, that means you ruptured your Achilles tendon. We gotta do surgery on Thursday. Mm. So the timeline is Sunday, I'm supposed to leave that next Sunday. He's saying I'm gonna do surgery on Thursday. You got the back of my calf muscle. I felt the excruciating pain. To this day, that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I have no recollection. All I remember is Thursday morning, being wheeled in for surgery. Thursday afternoon, being wheeled out with a hard cast from the middle of my thigh to the middle of my foot. By Thursday night, my contract was voided. And by Friday morning, my mom kissed me on the forehead I had to watch her walk to the driveway on the way to one of those three jobs. I told her she never have to work again. Mm, mm. And that was the hardest day of my life. Mm. The hardest point, that was the hardest day of my life because I felt like a failure. I felt like I let her down, right? Mm. I'm, I'm so long ago and I could feel it in my chest as I'm saying it to you, mm. right? I, I felt like, here's this woman who has given me everything, all that she has for me and my siblings. And I couldn't come through on this this thing that I promised her I'd be able to do. Right? So my mom drives off. I start crying for hours. Mm. I'm going through the stages, right? I'm going through the the denial, the anger, you know, like all the stuff, all the stages of grief. And I'm mm. pissed. And I'm just sitting there angry and I'm like cursing the heavens. Like, why is this happening to me? I do you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I'm good to people, I work hard. And then I start thinking about my mom.
2: Mm.
1: And I start thinking about coming home from school and the lights being cut off because we couldn't pay the bill. And my mom just walking in and just handing out flashlights.
2: Mm.
1: And thinking about like us having no hot water. And my mom boiling cold water, mixing mm. it, in tub so we could take a bath. Mm. I was like, I never saw her stop and put her head in her hands. Mm. I've seen her see the situation, assess it for a second, and then move on to the next thing. Mm. So here you are with this injury. This sucks, like for sure, this sucks. Mm. But it's gonna heal. What are you gonna do about it, bro? Mm. On oh, my best, friend, and I said, Kev, I said, pick me up. We're going to the gym on Monday, and he sounded like I died because when you have a tight inner circle, as you know, like you're talking about having people over your house for barbecue, you have a tight inner circle. What happens to Ryan happens to them, Of course. right? Of course. What happens to me happens to my circle. Right? I don't run with man. I don't run with lions. They anything that happens to me, they're like, you good. So he sounded like I died. And I said, pick me up. We're going to the gym on Monday. And he said, why are we going to the gym? I said, just pick me up. And for the next six months, I shot from a chair. Mm. And that did nothing for my basketball game. It it did everything for my mindset.
0: 100%. Because
1: I was able to get away from the four walls that I was enclosed in. And for that hour and a half, two hours, go back to something that was familiar. Mm. Put things in perspective. Like, see, just keep working, man. Like, you're going to get back. Mm. And so I slowly started getting back. And I always say, like, God gives you signs, right? Like, you get signs that, hey, you're not supposed to be doing this. Mm. You got to venture out. Absolutely. And I started getting heavy signs, like, man, you're not supposed to be here. So I'm at a camp in Birmingham, Alabama, a pro basketball camp. Mm. And it's my buddy from L.A., uh, Mike, he comes down. And we're in the gym, and it's, it's, the camp is ran terrible. It's, the money, it's a money grabber. There's no mm. agent all of a sudden the <laughs> is there right <laughs> these two guys get kicked out the first day they're saying we want our money back this is crap blah 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 so they get kicked out the last day we're working out me and my buddy walk on the shuttle bus we go on the shuttle bus to drive off these two guys come back in the gym with guns jeez we get to the hotel I get the red light going on and I check the message and it's like yo these guys start shooting up the gym Jeez. someone lost life. I'm like, I'm Holy. three minutes away from that. Wow. So, I was so focused and so tunnel vision focused. I didn't even, like, that didn't even phase me. I was like, that sucks that that happened, but I was like, that's not, I didn't see it as a sign. I saw it as, man, it's a terrible thing. Jeez. And then, another couple of weeks go by, and right before the school year started, my old coach, who's the athletic director at my former junior college, goes, Cornell, our coach just left where you coach basketball. We needed a head coach. We have no one. It's September. I said, no. I said, I'm 26 years old. Mm. I said, uh, I was like, I, I said, I'm still playing. Are you crazy? Mm. He goes, Courtney, we have no one to coach. We need someone to coach. Will you just coach? Mm. And I was adamant about, no. And I just, I had this big chip on my shoulder. If you weren't, uh, if you weren't for me, like if you weren't saying the exact things I want to hear, you were on the chip. I was yeah. like, I don't. Rock you. <laughs> yeah. Okay? So I talked to my girlfriend and I said, you'll never believe this, Melissa. She goes, what? I go. You know that coach, you know Coach Coach? She's like, Yeah. He goes, He said I should coach basketball. Without a hesitation, she goes, I think you'd be a great coach. I hung up the phone on her. Right. <laughs> 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 care, yeah. So I had the oh. phone. And then I talked to my mom. There's no hanging up on Tina Thomas. Right. So she goes, You should go for an interview out of respect for your coach who did all this stuff for you. You should go for an interview. And so I'm sitting in the interview, defiant, arms crossed, like whatever, right? He's talking. I leave the interview. I cannot make this up. Two days later, I have a whistle around my neck and 15 guys calling me coach. Yeah. I I, say I have no idea how that transition happened. But there's kids from, you know, in Jersey, like all these inner city areas, right? We're in a rural area. Is in a rural area. Parents have just dropped them off and said, hey, can you make my son into a man? That's it, I'm 26, some of these jokers are 23, right? Yeah. Can, you, can you make him into a man? And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I, I, okay, all, all right. I got to teach guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying yeah, to figure it out. <laughs> I got I'm trying to got figure it out. <laughs> you know, like I'm 26, I'm trying to teach you guys how to love each other, how to go to school, how to go to class, how to make education important, you know, how to work hard. And so I do that for six years, I have a great time. I go to this place called Blair Academy as an assistant coach, was the national powerhouse that like Luol Dang and Charlie Villanueva, all these guys that went through there. I'm like, I'm gonna be a division one coach. I'm gonna be a division one coach. Like I used to have, I used to visualize myself beating like Duke, Kentucky, like with some mid-major, like small team. And I used to visualize that every day. And then my son was gonna be born, Bryce. Mm. And you know where I'm going, right? Oh, Cause yeah. you gotta man, mm-hmm. right? My son was about to be born. And I started to get this pull. That hey man, if you do this thing, you're never gonna be in this kid's life. Mm. And mm. you grew up without a father, how does that look? Not being in this kid's life, mm. you being that father to your son. Mm. So I was I was just asking. I was asking. Well, what do I do? Mm. Like what do I do? I'm like, Where do I go? Cool, I mm. get it. Now I see it now. I understand. There's something more than basketball. Great. Now yeah. what? So what? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And so I'm on Facebook one day and I'm going through my timeline, not even during an election, the most negative stuff I've ever seen in my life. Like negative, super <laughs> negative. And I'm like, Good lord. And I had a book of positive quotes. It's called Book of Positive Quotations. And I took a quote out and I put it on Facebook. And, and like three people liked it. I was like, Oh, that's cool. So I started doing that every day. And then one day I woke up and I couldn't find a book. It was like 5 a.m. And my wife was like, what are you doing? I'm like, babe, I cannot find this book. I've been putting quotes up the last couple months. Like, I can't find a book. And so I'm looking and the cursor just blinking. I write my own quote. Mm. People still liked it. So I'm like, screw the book. I got this. I'm going to just write my own quote. Mm. So I write my own quotes. And then six months go by, my boy goes, man, where do you get your quotes from? I'm like, well, you (laughs) (laughs) Actually, actually, I said, you know, I make them up myself. He goes, you should write a blog. I said, that's a great idea. What the hell is a blog? (laughs) And he goes, you know, I'll set one up for you. So he sets up the blog. I start writing. Every Saturday morning, I start writing a blog. And I started Mm. seeing people from Vietnam and all these other different places liking the blog. So I said, I'm going to write a book. How are you going to write a book? I'm going to ask Google. I asked Google. Google lets me know. And my first book is called The Power of Positivity, Controlling Where the Ball Bounces. And I told my wife, I said, I wanna share my story. She Said, well, how are you gonna do that? I said, I'm just gonna say yes to everything for the next however long it takes. And I'm just gonna speak everywhere. And Ryan, I was speaking at dance studios with 12 people uh, in front of five people. I was speaking, I did a book signing one time in Chicago, six people, Mm. right? I didn't care because I'm like, I wanna share my story and eventually it's gonna spread. And then it started to spread, and I started speaking more places and doing more things. And and it's all because, I'm one, I'm putting out real stuff. I don't Mm. talk about positivity in a rainbow and butterfly way.
2: Mm. That's
1: just, damn, I'm I'm not like that. I'm not, okay, everything's fine. That's not true. Mm. Because life is going to punch you in the mouth, right? Like, it's it's just the way life works. Positivity isn't the absence of human emotion. It's not living in negative emotion.
0: Let's so unpack, let's unpack this for a quick sec. So, yes. when it comes to motivation, and positivity, and all these things, the 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 issue I think a lot of people have with it is that there's so much of it out there. You know, there's so you go into any bookstore, type in self help. Oh my god, right? And 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 with that comes a lot of snake oil salespeople, you know, and just a bunch of crap, you know. And people like Gary Vaynerchuk, he's you know one of the ones that you know you do feel that. Sense of authenticity from him, where you know he's actually showing it on video, documenting it, all these things. Another guy is Patrick Bed David, which you know, again, I mean, have you ever, have you ever heard of Valuetainment? Patrick Bed David, oh no. man, check him out. So again, you know, he, you know, immigrant story. His his dad basically, you know, worked his ass off, just kind of mm-hmm. got beat up in life, and you know, his own son said, you know, Patrick said, like you're, you know, one day the world's gonna be proud of this last name. And he went out there and just, you know, a million strong and he's a phenomenal person. But um, I think for you, your story is when you encounter people or, or for people that are listening that are kind of in this paradox between, man, my life is X, Y, Z, and maybe their life is really good. Uh, but maybe the ones that their life is a little shaky i mean we know 80 percent of people are going to a job that they can't stand that is the truth they'll never admit it on linkedin because i mean their boss is on linkedin that would not be a smart career move to do that you know so you are not going to have this outright honesty amongst this subject but behind closed doors you know you have these conversations that being said for people who are listening to your story and have been in the same situation what are a couple tickers or or small marks that immediately stood out to you to say okay Cornell this is an intersection in my life right now and you know if I choose to go left that is going to have huge ramifications if I choose to go right that's going to have huge ramifications where was your compass in allowing you to make the right decision to go right or left and how did that kind of you know traject your whole being Kind of fast forwarding to where you are now.
1: Yeah, what a great question. I think you have to find what's important, right? What's the most important thing to you? Mm. And that's a self-assessment that people don't want to make. They don't want to, (laughs) because it might be something that you don't think it is. It might actually be your car. It might actually be people like putting likes on your your Instagram post, right? More than things that might matter to other people. So for me, it was like, what is the most important thing right now? The
0: most important thing for me are my kids and my
1: family. That's the most important.
0: Right. You know what, so, Cornell. Let, let's go a little, let's yeah. go a little fickle with this. You know what? Sure. You know what kind of person scares the hell out of me? Okay. A, person, a person that sucks, but won't admit that they suck. Yeah. And they're going out there and waving this parade. It's dangerous. Yeah. I suck at so much, man. Let it be yeah. known right now. I suck. Ryan Holt yeah. sucks. I yeah. can say that. I suck at so much. Yeah. But You know you you even mentioned the podcast at the beginning you're right you know all of a sudden you you basically threw up bricks as a basketball didn't even hit the damn backboard you're like this is not for me fast forward you're getting you know signed to a pro deal and Mm. everybody's like oh Cornell you're the best nobody ever wanted to talk about the bricks and the the fact that you couldn't hit the backboard same thing with the podcast but here's the thing with the podcast the podcast is working for me as a roadmap to allow people in an intimate environment to feel like they have a safe space to really dig deep and look at themselves. Even if I say something and they hear my voice and it pisses them off, you know that little chip on your shoulder where it's like, I'm telling you everything you don't want to hear. You're like, I hate Ryan. I still want those listeners because I'm like, I hope hope you do get bothered by that because once you start feeling bothered, I think it's a good thing. And the reason that is is now, now we're starting the process. At least you're acknowledging that you're bothered. So Mm -hmm. for you as a mindset person, When you see these people walking around like sheep, kind of looking in the sky and, you know, spending some money that they don't have on credit cards and putting all their energy into their brother, sister, mom or whatever their issue is with, you know, who didn't like them. A lot of a lot of it just says, you know, takes takes kind of the, the tact to be self-aware, but then also understand what is polluting your life and get rid of that. And then what is going to be bringing good stuff in your life for the average person who who you had 30 seconds to basically talk to and give their them a tidbit to think differently? What would you say to them if they do suck?
1: Yeah, well, first off, it's OK to suck at something. That's what you just said it. That's the first thing that you said. It's okay not to be great at things, but you got to find out what you want to be good at. Like, okay, you suck. Guess what? I suck at golf. I don't give a crap about golf. <laughs> I don't ever want to be good at golf. It's not something I ever want to do, but you know what I want to be good at? I want to be good at, I want to be exceptional at speaking. I'm gonna be exceptional at writing. i want to be exceptional about mindset coaching, corporate training, those things I want to be exceptional at. So it's okay to suck, but if you don't want to do it, who really cares? Like, mm. if Ryan, if you suck at chess, right, mm. you're not trying to be the best chess player in the whole entire world, <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, you're not no. trying to be Bobby Fischer. No. You, know you want to do, right? So, people, and you hear people talk about this a lot, and Gary talks about it a lot, It's about gratitude and being grateful, etc. Mm. It's It's cool, man. It's cool to be grateful for where you're at, but there's another layer to it as well, because you can be as grateful as you want to be. But if there's nothing that connects you to this earth, like, why are you here? Like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want to do? it does not matter mm. because days are gonna be the same I'm super grateful but I know that I have a mission here right mm. I know what I'm supposed to do and I didn't find that purpose until I was 34 years old mm. right it didn't happen when I was 15 like I thought it was something mm. people don't know how to pivot like mm. I'm stuck in this my identity is this and then you realize I might suck at it or I might not be good or you know what there's another place for me to be but mm. people don't pivot because they don't want to change because mm. change Mm. Right. So they stay in the sucky thing and then they get bitter and then they go on your podcast and bash you and say, well, well Ryan's doing what he likes. So, you know, what? I'm going to put a, a one in Raiden's podcast because he's doing what he likes. Why is he smiling? Why is he happy? <laughs> you know why?
0: <laughs> this is the way the world works. It is true. It is true. You know what? You know what's? You know what's vinegar, man? Is envy. You know Robert Greene again. I'm I'm studying his book, The Laws of Human Nature. It's a fascinating book by Robert Greene. This book I'm going to read, I think, 26 million times because I just, every time I read it, I'm like, what the hell did I just read? I, I mean, it's it's. I asked my wife the other day and I said, for lack of better words, I said, honey, am I dumb or is my retention just terrible? Because this is horror. Like I read this book and it's just I get 10 new things from it each time. It's funny that you mentioned that though because. You, when we when we kind of dial back and you talk about you know sucking at things, I literally had to sit down and it, this is this is maybe in the last year, man. Okay, I, I I've always been an entrepreneur and I know that I, I love business and that's something. But that's a very broad thing to say. And for me, what was interesting is even though I I, I feel very comfortable being uncomfortable, it's kind of where you know it, it's it's my humble beginnings. It's you know I have a great life now. I have all the material. I, if you ask me, Ryan. What do you want materialistically? I can't even tell you, man. I got everything I want, you know, and I this beautiful quality stuff. Now it's just all about my kids. You know, even my wife, I said last year, you know, December 31st, I said, I'm not buying myself one material item in 2019. I'm just not. I don't need anything, you know, and all I care about is that my family has what they need and and we have great quality. I don't like going out and buying a whole bunch of crap. I want if I get a desk, it's going to be one hell of a desk, you know, and and that desk is going to be with me, you know, (laughs) until I'm 65 years old, probably. And that's it. Right. I bought this microphone until you see this thing start developing some sort of like fungus around it. I'm not going to be switching my microphone. But that being said, I had to literally sit out and, and write a flow chart. Ryan, who are you professionally? What do you enjoy? And I literally broke it down to podcasting, marketing, which I do, and DJing. And I said, but I can't, like, I don't know how that, like, I'm a marketing person. I'm like, that could confuse your audience because everybody knows me for marketing mostly. But I said, I I just have to bring these things to life. And now when you look at my Instagram, you're seeing a little marketing, a little podcasting, you're seeing DJing. And I literally just said, this is the three elements and pillars that I'm going to push out professionally. And I don't care what people think. And I don't care if they, some people might think that Okay, Ryan's not, you know, this guy's all over the place. It's actually quite interesting because when I put that first, you know, post out, man, I got lots of support. I got business in all three things that I put out because the people said, Ryan, it's not about what you're doing. It's your character. You've always been consistent. You've always showed up. You've always put in whatever you do. Like one guy said to me, he's like, yo, I don't care if you say you're a cook tomorrow. If it's got your name on it, like I'm going with your name. And that to me was like the most humblest, humbling thing ever. And I literally felt at that moment, man, it was like a shackle released, you know, because I'm like, oh, shit, like, oh, this is happening now. And it's just been off to the sales. So but you mentioned figure out what you want to be good at and figure out what you enjoy. I really feel like this is the hardest part of the process, figuring out what the hell I want to do, man. I mean, back in school, you know, this you're about to go to college 18 years old 17 i don't know who the hell i am at that age man if you asked the ryan the 18 year old ryan would i be doing what i'm doing now what i'd be like yo brother i don't know you're crazy man <laughs> Go, you're smoking you're, t- you're drinking some lean or something man like, get out of here you, you know i want you in my life for asking a dumb question like that you know and now know. you're like oh my god so how does like you do this you you know you 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 have several interviews and i forget her name she's she's quite she has a quite a big following online and you and her were sitting down talking about i don't know if you guys are friends or something but you know she was kind of asking this question but how do you figure out what you want to do it's yeah. such a big question
1: yeah well i mean first off you just dropped a gazillion nuggets so i hope your listeners are writing that down You just. T- touch on some real shit that people need to understand like that's so that's first thing for that knowledge second uh, One thing I do and I, I read this and I thought it was a great drill Is you get a piece of paper you write a line down the middle of the paper, right? On one side you write down what you're passionate about mm. Right, what you're passionate about on the other side you write what you're talented at. Uh, like, that's,
0: that's good talent and passion. I like right? that. I like that. that's good
1: So you go as long as you can go so you get 10 on each side and then you eliminate the ones that you, like, the one on each side, right? So for me, I'm I'm passionate about helping other people. I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about connecting. I'm very talented at speaking, mm. right? That's two things that I have, right? What's another talent? Well, man, I I'm very I'm very talented at teaching kids how to play basketball. Mm. Right? I'm passionate about basketball you know like okay i might be able to be a coach there so you're just kind of figuring out the skill sets and then going the problem really is how many people sit down and ask themselves the question that you were just answering
0: of course how many, let me own. ask you this though talent and skill yeah. like th- these are uh, i mean i i feel like these get blurred sometimes yep. because you know so- talent to me the definition of talent for me is I picked up that basketball, and I just, I just could dribble. There was something about it; it was familiar. You know, for you, I wouldn't say you were talented off the hop based on your story. You threw up a brick. I mean, it just wasn't going. You actually yeah. like got yourself. You worked yourself into a skill. Mm-hmm. Now, do, do you consider somebody working themselves into a skill, and then that skill then becomes a talent, or do you well, think when, talent trumps skill?
1: Well, I think in this in the in this drill, it's really just what you're good at. You know, like, mm. you, however you want like word it, but it's really just what you're good at. For me, in terms of the athletic forum, your talent can only take you so far. Your talent <laughs> can drop you off way, way before someone else is not as talented as you, but just works his ass off. I was uh, not skilled at all. Yeah. At all. And the guys that I grew up playing basketball with were watching me ascend, and they didn't even play college basketball. Like, what in the hell? So, I'll always take work ethic over talent
2: Mm,
1: 10 times out of 10. Because I've seen it, I've coached it, right? Mm. We have a kid right right now that I used to work with um, at Iowa State, Mario Shia. He is the hardest working, one of the hardest working kids I've ever seen, right? Mm. He's ended up being an NBA player because of his work ethic. He has some skill for sure, but his work ethic, when you are sleeping, that Joker is in the gym, right? You take away his work ethic and he's just a talented kid that's 6'5 and can dribble and shoot a little bit. Mm. Right? Always work ethic. But where did I get my work ethic from? Tina Thomas. Mm. Now, if Mm. you don't have life growing up, you might not know what work ethic looks like. You Mm. said that your became your family. Your coaches had some pretty good work ethic because you got that great work ethic
0: do you know every person do you know every person in it that that i considered a mentor or somebody i look up to some some have passed away some i don't know where they landed up it's kind of like your your guy ray i mean who knows where you know you're almost like man you're looking on facebook you're trying to remember the last name but you remember these interactions it it was all the coaches that told me man they just they beat my ass they they told me what i did not want to hear you know they You know, they're, they constantly were on my butt and, you know, it's like, yo, man, I couldn't do anything right for these guys. You know, I'll never forget one coach just straight up told me, he's like, you got, I don't give a shit that your mom died. And I was just like, this was maybe, I would would have to say maybe at 16 years old. And my first instinct was like, even, even there was other coaches there that was like, yo, dude, like. Because I took off my helmet, and one of, one of my teammates actually went to punch him. Like, it was so bad because people knew. They're like, okay, there's coaching. And then there's like, whoa, dude, like, you're going a little whoa. Yep. But afterwards, I, I lost it. And I came at him, and he told all the coaches, like, no, let Ryan come at me. Today, I'm not your coach, teacher. You will not get in trouble. You can punch me as much as you want, but I'm going to punch you back. And it was just like an – I. All of a sudden, the slobber's coming out of my nose. Like, it was yeah. a sloppy, like, I mean, the guy could just drop me in two seconds because yeah. I came at him all flingy, right? And he said to me after, he said, I don't do this to disrespect you. I do this so you don't disrespect yourself by 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 making yourself a victim of this. And he's like, I know it sucks, and I can't compare. I can't even say any words to it. But he said, what I know is that you're a talented person, and your mom would not want to see you use her death as an excuse not to propel yourself in life i am hard on you because i see the pr- potential so he's like and that's just my character so you can walk away you can quit you can lick your wounds but he's like i'm just gonna be real with you oh at that age it was just such tough that like that was tough love because it was so just it, yeah. you know thinking about it 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 it, it infuriates me and, yeah. But it but what that did was it actually did force me to look at myself at that point So at 16 years old, I did get the opportunity for somebody to say, look at yourself. And as you're saying, I think people don't have that opportunity or people are not pushing them to do that. So where we come from, Tina Thomas, you know, my mom was Pauline Holtz. These people, I mean, I feel blessed, man. I won won the lotto because I, I, I can never say I did not have anybody in my life that loved me. And, and and said ryan like you need to go and propel yourself i don't care about the material or, or poor or poverty that like even right now i don't care about any of that I, i'm like i go out there and i'm like man I, my mom loved the hell out of me i was overloved. like i could never she would kick my ass i mean okay. discipline like yeah, you know sure. fleek but yeah. man mama was like just like you said hey i got signed mom cool what's for dinner get your chores done Mom, you yep. don't care? No, I care. But you're my son. Of course you got signed. I know who you are. Yep. And that is huge. Now, for people that don't have that, for yep. people that actually do have two parents, and these yep. parents are like almost the worst things in their life, and this is true. How many people have you met? My sister abused me. My, my brother's mentally abusive to me. My dad is, you know, blah, blah, blah. My mom is this and that. It's usually the ones closest to you that pollute mm-hmm. you. Sure. Almost 90% of the time. Sure. I'm sure you come across those kind of people. What do you say to them?
1: I tell them this. it's You don't pick your parents, right? Mm. We, won, we won the freaking lottery. Yes. Tina and clean we won the lottery. Yes. Right. So, I and you would understand this reference because you play football. Mm. When it comes to family members that have to be in your life, you give them the Heisman if they're negative. Mm. Right. They're arm's length. Right. That means if you're negative to me, Ryan, I don't care if you're my brother or not. If you're saying negative stuff to me, anything you say to me, I take it with a grain of salt.
0: It's true.
1: Because it's true. you can't let that define you. That that tough love your coach was giving you, <laughs> he was just saying, "Hey, you just can't let that situation define you." Yes. Right. That's what he wanted to say. Like, if I was your coach at that time, I would have said, I would have did a little bit different. I would have said, "Hey, man." <laughs> yeah. like, you just can't let it define you, bro. Yeah. Like it sucks. But yeah. that's far. Malcolm Gladwell um talks about the advantages of disadvantages, right? Oh, yeah. the advantages, of disadvantages. And he started breaking down the people, like seventy-five percent of the population that have lost parents mm-hmm. at a young age or have been through horrific things or trauma that are doing like amazing things on this planet, that are billionaires and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And it's because we were built different right because we had to go through that trauma at a young age so Mm. it it hardened us a little bit gave us that shield now if you don't have that especially when it comes from someone that's close to you seek out mentors Mm. people i have that contact me on a daily basis that say hey man i'm going through this or Mm. i have a question about whenever i speak at a school i was in dubai speaking in october right Mm. and i flew in i had an hour and then i had to speak Mm. and the guy the, the guy Raj who was great he goes hey when I was at American University in Dubai he goes do you need some time I said no where are the students mm. where are and he pointed at me I said let's go I said I don't need time and afterwards I was doing a and a he goes hey we'll do it for 15 minutes I said no we won't do it until everybody leaves mm. I sat there for the next two hours I talked to every single student that wanted to talk to me and then answered emails after because I know that there are people just like you're saying that mm don't have that person they don't have so if i can be there for them at that moment or after then i'll be that person go seek mentors there's people out there like ryan holtz there's people out there like Mm, cornell thomas mm. that will lead you the right way
0: you know what this thing you know what you know what did to me though that all of this life stuff is so funny in some degree it, it made me lack empathy and patience for people because for me when i meet somebody or somebody new comes on my radar i wouldn't say that i test them but I try to rip their minds apart really quick. I mean, I, I'm like I always say, like I'm I'm an AK-47 into your brain. I mean, I'm I'm coming, and I like and I look at the pupils as they're talking to me. And I'm a I'm a I'm a weird guy. I'm very self-aware. I'm a messed up. I'm a weird dude. And my wife loves me. She's like, you're weird, but you you got a great heart. You mean well. But I am somebody that I, I'm competitive. I am somebody who is. Um, like, if you tell me I can't do something, like, don't ever say that to me, because you know, it's you're, you. If you don't want me to do it, tell me I can do it, because I'm like, what? I can yeah. do that. Oh, oh I can't yeah. do it. It's just weird, right? It's a weird how I'm wired. But, and I'm very self-aware of the fact of Ryan, you propelled yourself out of a a bad situation at 13 only because you lost your parents, but not because your parents were bad, and you've got to this point now. But how, you know, when you're talking or or, or, or you know, kind of collectively, you know, having relationships with people, what I noticed the most is a lot of people talk a lot of bullshit. They don't they they don't give you the right answer. They the moment you ask them a deep question, they run for the hills. Uh, they come at you like I want to be mentored, but shit, I don't want to do the work. And I'm just like, okay. So all these people that do want to do the work, you know, I wanna, I wanna put my time with people that do want to do the work, you know. And then they try to frame it like, oh, you're a little harsh in what you said, wonk, wonk, wonk. Or you know, I, you know, it just was the bad day or the bad moment, eh, you know. I'm just like, what the, you know, like, no, man. Like, okay, I am so adamant on time. Right. Like time is everything, man. We never get it back. Why why are you clowning around? Why? Why do you like it's like people that want to only hang out with people that make them feel good. You need people in your life to give you that chip, man. You need people. You don't want yes, men. Yes, women. You know, yes, boys. Yes, girls. How how do you like and I know this. I can see that sarcasm in your in your in your eyes a bit because you can listen to somebody. and You're like yeah yeah this person's (laughs) like yeah no 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 how do you deal with that how do you say this person's lost and this person is completely in denial insecure lack of self-awareness um they're they're wearing their versace they're doing their ferrari but this person has no hope do you even think those things how do you address it cornell help a brother out this is free psychology of charge love, right now. Help that. me out.
1: I'm, I'm gonna share, I'm gonna share a story with you, Ryan. And and I love you, man. I love I love that you are real. And I love that you are raw. I'm glad we connected. But I'll tell you this. I was the same exact way. I had a complete and utter lack of empathy for people that made excuses when Thanks. I was growing up. Lack of it. I'm, I'm talking about lack of like you can be crying in my face, like, I'm going through <laughs> this. And in my mind, I'd be like, Bro, if I even unloaded half of what I went through in life, you'd run away, right? Mm. And I learned something growing up. I was in North Dakota, I'm training, I'm. I'm me and my girlfriend are breaking into the gym at two o'clock in the morning to shoot. And I called my mom up and I said, Mom, I said, none of these dudes work out. I said, do these guys wanna win? Like none of these dudes work out, they just hang out. And mm. I was going off, I went off for about half hour. And I started going, and I was, a, I was pissed. And I was like, this is crap. I'm up here. I'm busting my butt. These guys are sitting there just drinking. The blood. And my mom let me finish. And at the end of that conversation, she goes, baby boy, can I say something? And I said, yes. She goes, what do you want to do in life? I said, I want to play professional basketball. She goes, what do your teammates want to do? So said, I don't know. Like, finish college. I don't know. Finish college. She goes, not everybody's you. Mm. That is very... Important in terms of empathy, mm, right? True. Who you are, Ryan. There's nothing; it's not a, a this. It's who you are. It's like it's just <laughs> yeah. makeup, right. Yeah. It's from your makeup. It's your makeup. But the reason I'm empathetic now, and I wasn't empathetic back then, is because that I realize is that not everybody's me, and not everybody has the same life goals that I want, mm, right? everybody mm. holds themselves to the same standard that I hold myself to. Mm. I never, I'm not going to judge it. When I have people tell me, man, you know what? I just, uh, my iPhone case broke and I'm freaking out. <laughs> I, I'd be lying to you <laughs> if there's not of me that's like first world problems because, you know, I've been to third world countries. Like I, I, part of me is like saying that, but I can still have a conversation with them. Right. Mm. I can have a conversation without judgment because I know that even though, their problems are different than what my problems are, it's still their problems is what they perceive to be a problem. Mm. If you say, hey, Cornell, I'm petrified of the dark. And I'm like, Ryan, you're a grown-ass man. Like, what are you afraid of the dark for? <laughs> I don't know what you've been through. Mm. Mm. Right? I have no idea what your background is. You might have mm. had a, a traumatic situation.
0: Let so, me clarify. But- Hold on one sec, though, because this I like this. Yep. I lack empathy in uh, some regards. Mm. I lack empathy... Because these examples you're giving me, I feel like you're giving them to me from somebody who's at least willing to communicate why they feel what they feel. Mm -hmm. What about for the this is where my lack of empathy really drills in is the people that feel what they feel Mm -hmm. but won't express how they feel because of maybe pride, maybe a little bit of, you know, ego, envy, self-awareness. Like if somebody comes up to me and says, Ryan, I'm having a bad day right now. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's my iPhone case and they're like just crying up and, you know, you know, I mean, I'll be like, oh, (laughs) all right. Like, okay, you know, first time, let's, you know, let's hold down, hold down, relax, relax, you know, don't worry. You can go play your little candy crush. Chill out. But I'm cool with that. But if somebody says, yeah. You know, like, you know, let's say you go to the grocery store and somebody's bagging your groceries. And because their iPhone case is broke, they're now imploring this negative energy onto you. Do you know what I'll actually do? I will start begging my groceries slower. I will start saying hello. I will start uh, saying really positive things. And the more they get upset, the more I'm going to smile and I'm going to move slower. I need them to see my positive energy that they're not. They can't just cast this on yeah. anybody they want you know like like for instance my wife and i is it a small interaction gas station by our house i'm filling up uh i'm trying to get like a nice little cappuccino fill up you know fill up the truck come over lays like that's gonna be five dollars as she's helping somebody else prime example you're gonna love this i pull out my wallet i'm like cool she's like is that debit and i said no it's mastercard she said no no that's the same thing anyway Who, who who's complaining so I'm like, well, let's just like call it plastic, and then we'll like come to an agreement. Either way, it wasn't debit, it was credit. There's these little kid moments in my life that, oh, my and so like I get back to the truck, my wife's like, what? What took you so long to to get a damn <laughs> coffee? So I'm breaking down this scenario. She said, Ryan, what's amazing is. You have clients that are paying you xyz money for per hour but you're willing to work for free on these stupid little gas station encounters and you just because it's like everybody else that comes in the gas station you know what they say to her oh she's just cranky Mm. my empathy is drilled into it listen to this this is beautiful actually i feel like we're having a revelation here but my empathy is really dark rooted and masked in care meaning i care enough to stand there and say I'm gonna annoy the hell out of you, because I want you to cry and release. Because if you actually, if the woman actually said, "Man, I'm just having a terrible day. My husband's an asshole. Whatever the case is," I would have sat there and talked with her for an hour. But yeah. she didn't do that. She didn't get but to what, the point. But, that's, but what if that's who
1: she is? What if the quarter What are, then this is my thing. Like yeah. I know exactly what you're saying.
0: You no, know, I, I agree. And I, that,
1: and I think what you're saying is is that I get it. I get that. And what yeah. and your, what, the, what your wife said was awesome, but. What if that is just who she inherently is? Like she doesn't, she doesn't care. Like there's nothing wrong. She just wakes up and she's like, I don't like life. And you know what? Mm. Nothing right. Nothing you say, stranger, who doesn't understand debits, right? <laughs> <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing you say. Nothing you say is gonna change the way I am. The the hardest thing for me was I was trying mm. to save everybody.
0: Ah, yes. And you just yes. said
1: it. You just said it. Time is priceless. Mm. While we're trying to save people that don't want to be saved, there are other people that need you, that need that interaction, that wanna. Mm. When you back the growth slower, they're gonna say, "Yeah, man, like this is my mm. last hair. Like I'm about to get fired, mm. Mm. right? So why mm. am I gonna waste my time with someone that doesn't want it? Mm. Do it. That's what your wife was saying. Like, you know what my wife.
0: You know what my wife says all the time though. She, and you're right about this. She says, Ryan, you have no idea what's going on in that person's life. If they're smiling, if they're not, you don't know anything. They could be coming from the hospital and just well. found out their kid had cancer. You, you don't, you don't know. And I think that I try to, I really try to think of things like that. But then I do ask myself, like, Ryan, what is it about that that you really implore to? To be quite honest with you, I really will go to the negative side. I'm very positive, bubbly, and happy. Everybody knows me for that. It's yep. kind of like that is my strength. I can wake up, man, I'm happy. So I know that's my strength, but I like to try to go to the negative sometimes because I'm trying to feel kind of empathetic uh, to what other people are feeling sometimes because it I I, I don't feel like there's a lot of problems in the world that can't be solved. I really feel this deep down. I feel like, uh, you know, I had this conversation the other day. A lot of wars and killing was over because uh, me and you didn't like each other. Complete ego. There was no reason that you had to take out a whole race. There was none of that, right? If everybody sat at the table, talked about their insecurities, cried a bit, you know, we probably wouldn't even need policemen. I mean, if we just talked, if we just had communication, right? Like Instagram, living your best life, showing your new vehicle, showing this, and then I find out you can't put $10 worth of damn gas in your your Beamer. Come on, man. I got friends like this. I'm like, dude, you are one payment from having a tow truck show up at your house to yep. collect that car. Why are you yep. living like this? Yep. I oh, want well, my friends to think I did good in life. Man, you didn't do good in life. You don't have a job. Like, yeah. just relax, man. And at if ease.
1: You do life, do, if you want to do good in life, don't associate it with the material, right? Yes. If you want to do good in life and you don't have a pot to piss in, then be nice oh. to someone. Smile at someone. Like you said. Yes. Smile that that person back bagging the groceries It looks like they're having a miserable day, right? Mm. It's just mm. we can't save everybody. So for me, it's like, and trust me, you're a human, bro. Like I'm not saying like I I'm happy all the time. I'm not saying like if I'm driving with my kids <laughs> and someone cuts me off, I'm like, thank you, sir. Like that's not <laughs> that's not it. Yeah. Right. It's just I realized, like your wife said that sometimes there might be people that are just going through stuff. Like I didn't like when people drive really fast in Jersey and like cut me off. I didn't realize until I was to rush my wife to the hospital because she was in labor. I didn't like that was me. I was cutting Mm. off everybody. Mm. Because I'm like, we got to have this baby. Mm. Same thing, man. It could be the same thing. But what Mm. I'm not going to do, if I go to you, Ryan, and say, hey, bro, um, you know, I know you're going through some stuff. You're like, you know what, Cornell, don't talk to me about that nonsense. Man, I ain't trying to hear you. I'm not trying to hear what you're saying right now. Mm.
0: Guess what? Cool, man. All right. All right. I think the big point of this, though, the revelation is that instead of reacting, Negatively or not, mm. I don't react. I actually sit back and be like, okay, Ryan, think about this long and hard. So maybe as I'm slowly now to mm. provoke annoyance, pulling out my debit card or my card slowly, maybe I don't want to pay with that MasterCard now. You just upset me. Now I'm going to go back in the wallet. I'm going to bring out another card. As I'm doing this, I'm thinking, why is this person feeling like this? Mm. But you're right when you talk about mindset, because you, you've done TED Talk too, right? Yeah. So you, you, you're you a great speaker, man. I watch a lot of your material and you're very much taking your material and your talks are very much your life. I can tell you're, you know, you throw in if you had an interaction with somebody, maybe minute, that's going into your talk because you now can relate to that. So for people like I, and I know we're I know we're, we're wrapping up here soon. I want I mean, I want you to use the last bit of this podcast to tell everybody What feeds your beast and what is the beast and everybody has this beast right you know when i know a beast i like the beast when the beast the eyes change like you're happy guy i want i I like it when it's like cornell i'm oh damn this oh i see the new jersey guy now this guy is no joke and this (laughs) guy got the flip switch what feeds that beast and you know i always feel we're always six degrees of separation from any human in this world so i feel like the ass that you might be trying to kick tomorrow could be the ass you need to kick kiss the next day so you need to be very careful on how you treat people because everybody has a role to play in this world so you might need that person down the road you are a fantastic speaker fantastic everything but man this is all about you man all about you
1: thanks brother i appreciate you um i love it man You, you saw right through me on that i have a switch Right, or it's like I can see right away that you have a switch, right? So my switch for me is Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Mm. That's the thing where I need to be doing something where my mind is not focused on my the day to day and it's focused on not being choked out or losing a limb, mm. right? Yes. So Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is when I have that switch. And it's not a switch where I'm angry. It's a switch where I'm at peace. It's like an active meditation. Mm. where my mind is not about helping other people in terms of speaking or coaching my mind is i'm having this physical interact with someone else that is trying to choke me out or take my arm home and Mm. i'm learning because the great thing about jujitsu is doesn't matter how long you've been doing it anybody can be tapped out anybody can get beat right Mm. so it takes the ego out of it and Mm. you just train with your brothers and your sisters and it's like it's a beautiful thing that's one thing if you ever saw me before a speech like if you saw me before my TED talk last March, you'd see the switch. Mm. Like I'm ready to f shit up. Like when I when I go to speak, it's not a I can't wait. It's a fight. Mm. Like it's a fight. Like I have my <laughs> headphones in, and I'm sitting back. I can be listening to I can be listening to Stevie Wonder. It doesn't matter what it is, but it's a fight because mm. I might only get a chance to be in front of you one time. Mm. And best believe, when I leave, you're going to say, I've never heard anyone like that do before. Mm. That's the competitive side to me. That's like that mother effort where I'm like, let's go, bro. Like, mm. you tell me who's the best speaker in the world, I'm like, cool, put us on the stage, same stage, I'll follow him up mm. or I'll follow her up. Put them before me, I don't care who it is, right? And I'll go after them and mm. we'll see. With no no, like reservation, no, oh my gosh, I just follow, I don't care who it is, name them, line them up. Right, mm. talking about it. That's where that my eyes mm. get normal. and mm. I'm like, Listen. because I'm passionate about what I do, and when I, I when I say passionate, I mean I'll die for it. Mm. You know, like, I'll die for it. Before my TED talk last year, I was in the hospital the day before. Mm. Right, so I I got an EKG, and because my blood pressure was really high, and my wife said, I told her on the way to the hospital, my mom made me go. My mom's a nurse; she made me go. I said, I said, look. I said, I don't care what that doctor says. I've been waiting to do a TED Talk for two years. I was like, I'll die on that stage before I not do this TED Talk. And she goes, mm-hmm. oh, I know. She goes, I know. She like basically saying like, I know you're a crazy person. And after they came back, everything came back fine, I told the doctor, I said, if I want to run a marathon tomorrow, can I run a marathon? She goes, yeah. I said, that's all I need to know. Thanks, doc. Let's go, babe. I'm out. I do the TED Talk. The clothes that I'm dressed in, we had a power outage the, the, the week before. I had to, mm-hmm. We had to live with my mom. No one knows the story, right? Mm. If you my TED Talk, I have an oversized brown jacket that I found in the closet. The whole town was out of power. All my clothes were in the dry cleaners. <laughs> I had that I found from three years ago. Mm. That's what I was wearing my TED Talk. The power went out. A good friend of mine was trying to take his life, you know, just days before. Jeez, I was dude. going through all this stuff, then got in the hospital the day before, and then did the TED Talk, and then walked up that damn stage like, what? Mm. because I'm like nothing stopping me from delivering this message my dad's light went out when he was 41 years old right Mm. I'm 40 years old Mm. okay so it's like time is short man all these great people that have left this earth early right I'm gonna let everything out while I can and then when I go I go
0: here's a few things this is what's beautiful okay and this is what I'm really starting to cultivate when you look at all the greats in life I want to be great If you ask me, Ryan, what do you want to be great at? I can't give you that answer right now. I don't know. I really don't. And that that is the honest to God's truth. I don't know. I don't know if I want to be a great podcaster. I don't know if I want to be a great marketer. I don't know if I want to be a great DJ. I know I want to be a great dad and I want to be a great husband. That is like within my bones. To me, those are non-negotiable. But those also go without saying. Now, there is a few things you will persevere and 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 kill and try to you know monster any speaker or competition that you attack which i think is fantastic here's where i want a lot of people to go you get all these people that come fly by night right gary vaynerchuk he he's he he is playing the long game when he first came out i said hmm how long is this going to take to fizzle he, he's not really fizzling I, I i suspect this guy is he's long you know he's not short he's got depth Any great person, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, the the Robert Greens, these people have consistently over time, a lot of time built and said things. A lot to which people said, screw that. This is not true. Then it became the best book ever, like 10 years after it was written. When I created the podcast, and I don't want this to be about me. I'm just saying when I created the podcast, I said the only hope in hell I have of this thing actually succeeding or getting to the amount of ears and eyeballs that I want is that I have to just be me, number one. And number two, I have to keep this real. I cannot have people coming on the show and telling me about their best life. And that's okay if they do, but I need to hear about your shitty life. Mm -hmm. Because people who are listening have to have a form of, okay, this is real. That's why when I edit the podcast, if there's a bad internet connection, you hear that shit in the podcast because you're like, this thing is real. Yes, do I want it to sound all echoey? No, I invested some equipment. That's cool. But... It, it will only be sustainable if it is real, if it is true, and it is over time. There is no nobility in tapping out. When you talk about Bra- Bra- Brazilian jiu-jitsu, it's funny because i've done a little bit of it and you expect these guys to be completely crazy they're the nicest people they're the most well-mannered people ever it just so happens that if you tick them off or you get in a bad situation they could kick your living ass and have fun doing it but that's not why they do it it's a very mind it's holistic it's very spiritual and for that i really love it because to me it's truly an art And an art doesn't have right or wrong, yes or no, perfect or weak. It's an art. It's Mm -hmm. everlasting. That Mm -hmm. being said, you being the best speaker, my challenge to you is this. Everyone on this planet, and this is why I love marketing, but I think marketing is often taken in the wrong context. Mm -hmm. A starving artist wasn't starving because their art was bad. It's because nobody fucking knew about it. So if you're the best speaker and you're gonna kill somebody on the stage, you need to equally push that message out to the world that they know you're gonna do that. Otherwise, you don't even get an opportunity to get to the stage. How many knuckleheads are doing so well in life right now and they suck, but because they know how to get themselves out there. And for that, and for that alone, I respect them because they know how to get those eyeballs and, and, and that projection. So many kids, when we talk about poverty and inner city, and I speak at a lot of schools. Every time I go and speak at a school, I get three to four Snapchat messages of kids telling me that they know somebody who committed suicide. You know how sad that and we're talking, I'm at, I'm you know, a 12, 13, 14, 15 year old yep. school. I mean, this is sad, man. OK, yeah. that's number one. Number two is, you know, occasionally and these are the best. And I just got one ryan i've been you came and spoke at my school three four years ago i've been listening to your podcast it's changed my life i had this from an 18 year old i spoke at his school when he was 13 14 years old this is the best thing ever right yeah and that to me was was huge and you know what he said at the end of the message and this is coming from a a 14 year old at the time but you know 18 he said i just love that you didn't come to our school you actually you actually are executing on what you said at our school because four or five Mm -hmm. years later you're like I can Google you, and you're just like, still Ryan's just going. He's like, I don't even yeah. care what you're doing. The fact that you're still going. And I'm like, this still. is everything. Yeah. So um, this has been a great chat, man. I mean, what else do you yeah. have to say? <laughs> Otherwise, we're going to we're gonna get into the drop. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, No, man, this is, uh, I told my mom, I was telling, talking to Ryan before, and I said, you know, Ryan, I don't know how long I can go for. And I told my mom, I said, Mom, you got to pick up Bryce today. I'm talking to this brother from uh, Canada today. And I said, I have a feeling that we're gonna have a, a long conversation. I said, you just gotta go pick up my son. And she goes, because <laughs> remember, I was telling you, I was like, I don't know, like how. And I just told her, I said, you gotta pick up Bryce today. I told her in the morning, and she goes, no problem. I said, yeah. okay, cool. I knew what was gonna happen when we talk. Yeah. And the thing that you said that is always gonna stick with me is, you don't have to agree on everything when you talk to somebody. It's that communication that's important. You know, like know. it's that communication and the uh, the willingness to hear the other person speak. Like, Mm. whatever your viewpoint is on whatever, I'm always Mm. gonna let you speak and hear it and then Mm. try to understand it. And then Mm. we can go back and forth Mm. and have a dialogue. So what you're Mm. doing has no shelf life. Your podcasts are gonna be here hundreds of years after you're gone. That's the great thing about it.
0: Well, it's funny too, because I had another guest on and what's really interesting about a podcast or doing any kind of like, you know, continuous series, even if it's video or whatever, I mean, they always look at the interviewer as the person quarterbacking the conversation. Man, it never happens that way. I I think a great... You look at Oprah Winfrey and all the greats that ever did interviews, man. I mean, they sit and listen, you know, and you learn so much from people who are coming on the show. But the one thing, and I know this will resonate with you, I think it's extremely amazing that, you know, 50 years from now, 60 years from now, and I want to be living and I think I'll be living, but my son and my children... Can go back and listen to what their dad and what their grandpa was saying years ago and just like you said you're like man my dad was a police officer and to find out that this guy was doing things a lot differently coming out and You know, going to places he shouldn't have been going, you know, raising awareness on subjects that, you know, should have should have been. And I'm also thinking, I know you're in the United States of America back when he's a police officer, man, being an African-American person. woo! that's a whole other element. And he's he's not only getting it from the criminal side of things, he's getting it from his coworkers at the same time. So, you know, and that crap is still happening. But, you know, it's a new day. It's a new dawn. I think what you're doing um, is great. Um, how can everybody reach out again? Uh, you know, I'll give you the last minute or two just to talk about you and and kind of you know if somebody's listening to this, if your son, if Bryce and your child and uh, Naya are listening to this, and you got 30 seconds, what would you be saying?
1: Yeah, I would say Bryce and Naya, Daddy loves you very much and understand never take on anyone else's limitations because the world is gonna give you limitations because of the way you look, the way you talk, or where you're from right never take anyone's limitations on there's no ceiling to what you want to do if you work hard and you believe in
0: it you know what i love you know? that and and coming from and one episode you should check out is scott stride because he's a fantastic speaker uh yeah. i i had him on and he's episode 50 um okay. and just google him he's a, he's a hall of fame speaker he's he's based yeah. in canada here. he speaks all over but one thing i love about him is he said ryan nobody walks into the room and waves this like expert belt like you're the expert (laughs) nobody walks in and says you're the expert you know like whoa you know and he even does it on the it's hilarious but he said you know what i don't like ryan he's like i don't like people that sit on the fence he's like people that sit on the fence they scare the hell out of me because i you could i could talk to this person and i could ask five people about him he agrees with everybody and this is where humanity you shouldn't agree with everybody and it's okay to be repelling and it's okay to be um a polarizing uh personality and for many years growing up i said ryan maybe i got to tame myself down and i said "No, no 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 i don't have to be smaller because somebody else can't be bigger you know and this is where we're headed with all that so i just think that you know people out there listening i mean man i just want everybody to go do their thing but you nailed the number one point and that was i just want somebody to come and say ryan i disagree with you Uh, I don't like you, um, but just sit in my face and tell me why. And I will actually stand there and listen, because there's always some good nuggets to be pulled. But I can't stand when people are like, yeah, I don't like that guy. You know, not going to like his photo. Uh, You know, my wife was talking and liking his photo. I told her, don't follow that guy. You know, (laughs) that bastard. You know, he got that position. And, you know, I just don't like that guy. Guy thinks he can wear a floral jacket. Goof. (laughs) Whatever, like, don't do that, man. Just chill, bro. Like, chill. Like, I love you, man. It's all good. I I still like people that I don't even like. If that even makes sense, Ah, man. Because at the end of the day, you know what I think about Cornell? Was that that guy and that woman? If I don't like them, they still got kids that love them. They still have parents (laughs) that love them. Give them the damn respect of having just being a human being and respecting it's kind of like would you go up to a guy and start yelling at him in front of his kids if you do i think you're you're a piece of crap i think that's just there's certain things that you just don't do because then you know what i mean um but uh uh, cornell uh tell everyone where they can find you uh how they can reach out to you what the hell you do you do a lot so simplify it uh get you know give me your social media give me your website all the goodies
1: Uh, well, the social media, I'm Cornell Thomas across the board. Instagram is CornellThomas34. Uh, my website is www.cornell-thomas.com. I'm a corporate trainer, a speaker, mindset coach. I do that on an individual basis. And uh, I, I do a bunch of things. Like Ryan said, he has a lot of buckets. I have a lot of buckets. Uh, and you can always reach me at CornellThomas365 at gmail.com. If you have something that you know you need to speak about or discuss, I will get back to you right away. I'm not one of those people who say, hey, contact me and give you like my ninth email from my assistant. I'm my assistant. So when people hit me up, I hit them back
0: perfect man i appreciate that no i appreciate that and uh and last but uh not least everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode i'm sure cornell and i will will chat again uh please you know it's been really cool to see that you know a lot of uh listeners are reaching out to the guests and whatnot and um thank you so much for your uh reviews on itunes google play stitcher uh again uh, at reinholds one on all platforms um and uh cornell all i need you to say is the Reinhold Show podcast.
1: The Ryan Holt Show Podcast.
0: I need you to say that one more time. The
1: Ryan Holt Show Podcast.